If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you'll have heard me banging the drum for Airdrie Ladies Football Club. You've helped us to raise £215 towards their costs, and we were delighted earlier this year to see Diamonds in the Community come on as their headline sponsor. That should help make their model sustainable, but we can always do more. And we're delighted to welcome Beer52 as a podcast sponsor with a novel scheme which should help everyone. Here's how it works. How does it offer a free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that, free beer. Thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you have to do is go to beer52.com forward slash Airdrie and cover just 4 for the postage. Airdrie fans know that for the best football thrills, you have to search far and wide. And when it comes to beer, the guys at Beer52 are no different. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes to date have included Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. They're based right here in Scotland and they're also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer52 is they don't hold you to ransom and you can leave any time. And how does it help Airdrie ladies? For everyone who signs up to their scheme, Beer52 will donate £5 towards the ladies' fundraising cost. I've already signed up, and as Airdrie have got back-to-back wins against Clyde and Peterhead, I'm going to toast them with a beer called Mango Milkshake from Tiny Rebel at La Brasserie du Mont Salève. I think that might be just outside Cote Dyke. It tastes good to me, so why not give it a try? Sign up at beer52.com forward slash Airdrie, and I'll be £5 towards Airdrie ladies, and eight new beers for you to try. Before the recent match against Hearts in the Cup, I recorded a special podcast. One of the people who was good enough to give us his time was Joel Sked. You might know Joel from a view from the terrace on the BBC Scotland channel on Friday nights. He's also a key panellist on the podcast called The Terrace, on which the TV show is based. They put podcasts out on a Monday and a Thursday, mainly based on the Scottish Premiership, but they put lower league roundups on from time to time, and I'll be sure to put links to those. They also have a Patreon, that's a paywall, and if you join up, you get extra content. In return for him doing the favour of coming on our podcast, he recorded a bit with me for theirs. What I wanted to know was, what's it like to support Airdrie? Everybody's experience will be different, but here's mine, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the special edition of the Terrace Texture Patreon. We'll go for that. I am joined by Colin Telford of the OTL Airdrie podcast. Hi, Colin. Hi, Joe. How are you? Yeah, good. I uh, thanks very much for coming on. We've just done a, a podcast for your, for your own podcast ahead of the Airdrie Heart Scottish Cup game this this weekend, and I thought I may as well take the opportunity to. Quit yourself and all things Airdrie because again it's not one of it's not a team we I think talk often about or at all on uh, certainly the Patreon just because it's usually a bit more Premiership focused and it kind of relies on Craig Telford and Sean to impart their wisdom. What has it been like supporting Airdrie onions? Oof, so what am I now? Thirty five. Started going to games when I was five years old. So 
different different parts to it. Uh, growing up in the nineties was great. I went to school with Rangers and Celtic fans. Here they could really hold their own little spell in the, the the Premier League, but only two seasons. However, an excellent cup team. Uh, I'd been to two Scottish Cup finals by the time I was ten, and just thought that was what football was. Yep. So a, a blazing start to it, and, and my passion for Airdrie. That's something we do as a family. Uh, so that's probably part of it. But when you had such uh, a great baptism and sporting a club that's probably why I'm so fervent about it uh, since then well everybody knows Adrianians went bust in uh, early 2000s um, up until then the football continued to be good we had a field project with Steve Archibald who came in uh, had a number of Spanish players yes. uh, there's a few decent players d- a few very decent players so we had uh, Brotto who ended up in goals for Celtic yep. he was a bit older um, but I think we had he not gone bust you would have got a bit of money for him David Fernandez, who Celtic fans will roll their eyes and he managed to get subbed on and off in the same game for them however I think Livingston fans will talk about him winning a cup final for them and at Kilmarnock he was very good until uh, he got a bad injury which, which set him back and I don't think he ever recovered from we had Jesus Garcia San Juan who had played in the uh, Zaragoza team I think that, you remember when David Seaman got logged from miles out in the cup winners oh, cup yeah, final yeah, yeah, yeah. he played uh, in that game and before a, a challenge cup final said it would mean as much to him if Airdrie won the challenge cup as it would have in his cup winners <laughs> cup medal with his hometown team so can, sure it will yeah I don't know who, which uh, local paper he was talking to when he said that so it was still good up until that point uh, then uh, and even the very last season uh, Ian McCall was manager he amassed a squad from nowhere people who had fallen out of favour at other clubs almost won the league was picked by Partick Thistle but just kind of ran out of money and was playing himself as sub by the end of it when he was I, mean, I think he was wearing the mascots uh, shorts and that'd be <laughs> the big chicken mascot rather than the, the, the eight year old that ran out with the team uh, so chapter one always always good always a championship team or better very good in cup games uh, and lots of happy memories came back as well I mean I think I'd be doing a disservice here because I'm we're different from some other clubs Uh, we went bust we applied to get back into the league and the league said no and they gave the rationale that you can't just have clubs go and bust writing off all their debts, starting again in the bottom league because it might become a viable option for so you. So they brought Gretna into the... <laughs> and, and, and yes, Gretna got elected and the Gretna that they brought in wasn't the Gretna of Brooks Mills. Mm-hmm. This was still a village team with very little to add to Scottish football and you can probably look at the pyramid system and say we're in a much better place in terms of adding quality now. You kind of see that result in the chin and I mean, we were all devastated and you thought that was it. Amir, I think we're talking two weeks later, if that, uh, Clyde Banker are in administration, they're inviting bids, uh, the Airdrie Consortium who put together Airdrie United for re-election to the league, uh, put in the highest bid for Clyde Bank, that had to be rubber stamped by the league and this is a bit I've never quite understood why they thought that was alright, because that sets up kind of franchise system that you can buy a club, change its name, move it and take their place in the league, which surely Rangers could have done that Rangers could have bought Cowdenbeath or these five that were massively offend these fans but clubs who were in a perilous state at that time uh, if you've you've done it once so, so why couldn't you do it again so the way that we came back in wasn't the way that we would want to but given the choice between having a football team in the Scottish Leagues or not having it 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what I prefer. So just uh, yeah, sticking on that point, because I wanted to ask you about the uh, going bust in, in 2002, and I always forget that it was Clyde Bank uh, kind of took over and uh, kind of moved. And you've seen it down south with MK Dons and AFC Wimbledon. It's kind of it was yeah. slightly different. What was what was the what was the mood and what was your reaction around the time when? You took you took the kind of Clyde Banks uh, Clyde Banks um, place and and can move them back to Airdrie. So, from the Airdrie fans' perspective, as are them, well, would much rather it was it happens to them and we keep our place in the league. Mm. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that was the the stark reality that we were faced with. And I, <laughs> in fairness, I don't. I'd be lying if I said that we lost much sleep about it. It's terrible what happened to Clyde Bank. And when you're down the leaks, what you notice is people don't really care. And a lot of people probably didn't realise what, what had happened at the time. Uh, Clyde Bank are continuing as a junior club. And I think from their social media, they put a really good video last year um, doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, but, but we've never had... We didn't like the name United, especially uh, given that the chairman of Air United uh, was... It was his company that built the new stadium and we would lay a lot of the blame at Bar Construction's door for why the club did go out of business. Right. Uh, so to be Air United, which is very similar to Airdrie United, didn't like. However, everybody just calls the club Airdrie. They were playing in a white jersey with a red diamond. We got to grips with it quite quickly. Mm. And going on to what's it like to support Airdrie, the first three, four years as Airdrie United, they were ambitious. There was investment. We almost got promoted in our first season despite having thrown a club together at quite short notice. The next season we won the second uh, what was the second division at that point Morton had been about 15 points clear at Christmas, had an almighty collapse, rumours of the players betting against themselves. Um, Airdrie had Owen Coyle, Matt Roberts Willie McLaren, Alan Gow Jerome Verai, really exciting to watch. Uh, uh, Yeah, and you thought oh this this is great, we're back However, the, the, the stark reality is Airdrie don't have the support, even at that point, to compete in the Championship as we fans who watched them in the 90s would like to. During the 90s, a local baker uh, bankrolled the team, essentially. Airdrie could play, pay 175000 for Kenny Black, same for Owen Coyle, 100000 for Jimmy Sanderson, some that you don't see in the lower leagues now mm. because we had a rich benefactor uh, and... The support was higher at that point, but it still wasn't massive. Uh, that made the difference, uh, and we we had a history as a team who'd always been in the top league or the league below. Uh, now we've got Ross County, Livingston, Inverness, who didn't used to be in the leagues and are bigger clubs than us. Queen of the South have had something of a renaissance that's lasted for a long time, so people have jumped us in the pyramid, uh, and for the last what can I say, 10 or so years, it was a real, real struggle. We'd found a level, cut cloth to suit, no investment, really struggling. About four years ago, there was a takeover. Tom Wotherspoon came in, no links to Airdrie. You'd always ask questions as to what, why you'd want to buy a club that had no assets, didn't own the stadium. Uh, he then took the decision to go full-time, train at Ravenscraig, Lasted one season, we made the playoffs, and then he ran away. <laughs> uh, begged the fans for money at the start of about two seasons ago, or else we were going to go to the wall, which 
not a nice thing to hear given that we'd already done it once mm. uh, then all of a sudden when a consortium did emerge he wanted £350,000 uh, for the club which was about to go bust which didn't add up either anyway we got through that new ownership uh, and in the last couple of seasons we finally seem to be making some progress in terms of investment at our level we are still one of the biggest clubs this season's quite exciting you've seen the League One table oh yeah uh, so I am hoping that this is the beginning of if not a successful period at least uh, a period where Airdrie can grow as a club a uh, stable period a, st- a stable period and uh, if we could get out of League One and into the Championship the difference that makes to your income and what it would maybe allow us to build uh, is quite incredible and I think that the new owner that's what he's driving at it's not going to be easy because Falkirk are a massive club and shouldn't be down there uh, and Wraith Rovers are probably a bit bigger than Airdrie as mm. well so they've got their, their work cut out to do it but they're in the mix at this point in the season so what you, you mentioned about the, the support I've always kind of always been intrigued by both Airdrie and Clyde in terms of in terms of their, their support what is the what is the support base and kind of what was what was it Kind of at its peak, and what is what is it now? What's kind of realistic? Right, so my dad will talk about. He used to pick up the paper, see the Airdrie score, and score attendance. Yeah. Airdrie five thousand, and he thinks of Airdrie as being a similar sized club to Motherwell through the seventies and eighties, when the club was again pretty successful, playing in the top league or second league. There wasn't much between them. Uh, in my time growing up at Broomfield, even when we were in the Premier League. If it was, say, Partick Thistle and it was, neither team had anything to play for, it might have been down to 2,000. We had three years away from Airdrie while they got planned permission and built a new stadium after selling Old Broomfield to a supermarket. Uh, by the time we came back, you were talking about 1,400 uh, for home games, which isn't all home attendance either, mm. and it's in the first division at that time. And now, played Peterhead just before uh, Christmas, I was thinking it was about 700 was the crowd, and that would have a number of Peterhead fans in it albeit not massive uh, we're playing Hearts on Saturday at Tynecastle we've sold 1400 tickets we'll probably end up about 1500 Airdrie fans there mm-hmm. now that's like a cup final so I've got uh, an uncle going who's not been at a game for a few years yeah. everybody's coming out for it um, but that's it. the support somewhere around I'd like to think we could keep the average support above a thousand uh, over the course of this season. In fact, we definitely will because Falkirk have brought a massive support a yeah. couple of times, so that that boosts the number as well. Uh, but not massive to try and run a business in that to to work out what your player fund is and and to uh, outbid other teams uh, for it's always free agents to try and encourage them to come to your club. Uh, it's not a big number to be working from. What what do you make of the? Because I know it's. <clears throat> It's kind of fluctuated in terms of what what Airdrie have done. Like they they went full time model, and have they have they went fully part time? They've done the hybrid hybrid before. What what do you see the best model is is, is for Airdrie? So hybrid this season, I think looks at the moment really good. We've got David Hartman goals, who is a good keeper at our level. He's well liked by the fans. He's part-time, he's never going to go full-time because mm-hmm. he's got a good job outside the football uh, and he can really do a job for us in that league. Callum Gallagher's our top scorer, he's part-time as well, he's got a good job, he probably isn't... Dundee United are never going to sign him, so if he's going to play football and do his job, he may as well make it work. And that's the... Airdrie, the 
battling against a number of clubs for these kind of guys. But if you go fully full time, you miss out on those prospects and those guys who can uh, who can add to your team because you know that they're good footballers who are happy with the part-time wage because it tops up what they've got uh, and uh, and well <laughs> that's about it yeah. uh, and then a full-time we've got a massive squad and there's fans will make comments on Pine and Bovro, but a lot of it is young kids still staying with mum and dad getting a chance to be a footballer mm-hmm. and it might only last one season uh, and they're being paid minimum wage which is a tiny amount yeah. uh, so we're giving them a chance and then we've got the best full-time players we can get on our budget which this season's looking quite good. Dale Carrick's another one who you know as a Hearts fan. He's in as a part-timer uh, and works with Hearts, uh, so he's probably keeping his fitness level up, just coaching through the day, uh, and has added, there you go, our top two scorers are part-time footballers. Yeah. So the hybrid model uh, allows us to get guys like that, but also free and Murray to be trying to develop the younger players that we do have, uh, and that's, at the moment, had you asked me 10 weeks ago, it might not have been the same, looking like a, a good model for us you mentioned Ian Murray there and about 10 weeks ago not being kind of the, the, the same viewpoint he really seems to have turned it around from the first um, maybe the first couple of months of the season because I still remember Sean McGuigan saying on review from the terrace he I don't know if he actually actually talked about Ian Murray in these terms he certainly wanted to talk about them and that there was a, no. He's, he's, sorry, ignore. He, he mentioned it that there was a bit of animosity and the fact that the club had to kind of um, keep yeah. fans away from the dugout area because he was getting a lot of stick. So, Airdrie put out a statement. Well, let's give the full story. The first quarter of the season, Airdrie had this strange record where we had won all but one away game, but I think only won one home game. Mm-hmm. So. Most of the fans are only seeing them at home. The performances hadn't been up to it. You're thinking this, we're no better in the league than we were the year before under the last manager who got sacked at that point. Uh, Murray was getting all kinds of abuse. The club put out a statement saying that, look, you can't swear at the footballer. If you do, you can't sit in these sections. These are designated for family and uh, you need to move to the side. Now, we've already spoken about Anne Budge on, on our podcast doing having similar battles at Tynecastle mm-hmm. last week Morton started banning people from their official Twitter account if yes. they use bad language as I understand it the, the clubs are under pressure from the Scottish League uh, to get their fans to behave essentially the Scottish League seems to be uh, mandating that the workplace for young professional footballers isn't one where they get that level of abuse and there seems to be suggestions that they're going to start making sanctions. So when you have all that picture, it makes a bit more sense what Morton are doing and what Airdrie did and to an extent what Anne Budge has been trying to do at Tynecastle. However, as a fan, you or I, it's kind of part of football. There's going to be bad language. Some of it can be very funny. Yeah, yeah. Some of the songs with swear words in it are hilarious. Yeah. So it's trying to find it's trying to find that balance. Uh, since then, Airdrie's form really picked up and so like six wins on the spin all of a sudden uh, everybody's laughing and joking and the, the, the kind of standoff between the club and the, the fans and the atmosphere at games just massively Im- improved and, and nobody's talking about that anymore which is probably a good thing And so what, what do you make of uh, what do you make of uh, Murray as manager and how, how do you think he's how do you think he has, he's done? Uh, I mean on balance you've got to give him uh, at least a, a pass uh, not been 
absolutely excellent given the, the first spell, but they are, I mean, Airdrie are punching above their weight in the fact that we're uh, up there with Falkirk in the league who've got massively more resources. The impression I get from Ian Murray is that he's very pragmatic, he works very hard, it's all about professionalism. Um, we had our director of football came on the, the podcast uh, and gave us kind of background as to a player hadn't been getting picked who's a fan's favourite. It was really down to our sports scientist saying his fitness levels aren't there. And that it all does start to make sense that Ian Murray won't have somebody not tracking back, someone slacking. He is all about uh, you're, you're an elite athlete, you need to be bringing the performance and the fitness. Uh, and uh, I'll coach you from there. Because he, he he did something there, I think Dumbarton, where he, uh, he he brought basically just brought professional standards to 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 Dumbarton as someone who's just left full time football to go into a part time role. Yeah, and I think so. Colin Cameron joined him as about the same time that the, the, there was an upturn in form. The previous assistant manager was part time, so in this hybrid model, all these days when the guys were in. During the day, it was pretty much Ian Murray was the only football coach there, mm-hmm. which would be tough. You've got to plan the session, do the session. They can't all hear you if it's maybe young guys mucking about or whatever. So to have an extra pair of eyes to uh, Colin Cameron's full-time, sorry, uh, I think that's probably helped him a lot as well. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we are seeing the results. I think we've got uh, a much higher level of performance. We're not blasting teams away, but we're... We're finding ways to win games, uh, which it probably is the, the marginals that's making the difference. If you're winning games by the odd goal and the, the defence or the, the opposition are moaning that you're not that good, it might be that it's your fitness levels are mm. getting you through. Um, so I am uh, I really want to see him do well because he does give the impression that he's uh, he's a hard worker uh, and he cares and he goes thing, about things in the right way. I mean, I would say he's not... The most charismatic when you did the video uh, inside the Airdrie changing room on the, the TV show, uh, it was quite funny that the reaction to the Airdrie fans was he's not very good at swearing, <laughs> and, and it was as if he felt, Oh, the, the cameras are on me, I better be like a football manager. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you had this person like, That's not what he does usually, but this awkwardness now. Imagine having a camera at your work. It would be awful. Well, sorry, you do it all the time. Uh, <laughs> but but for me, that must have been an odd situation to be in. For the players as well. So it was great that they, they did it. They won the match, fortunately, as well. Uh, but but it was strange that everybody thought, well, wasn't a rousing speech, was it? I mean, his head was buried in his notepad and he threw in a few F-words, but they were really laboured. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, we're, we're happy with how the club's going. Uh, we've also within the last two weeks signed up a whole load of our top performers this year which is when you get out of the, the Premiership not probably all Scottish football outside of the old firm post Bosman era players know that their contracts are coming up if you're a middling sized club the good ones go somewhere better yeah. the bad ones you don't want to keep you might keep some mediocre ones which takes away from the experience as a fan as well because guys are with you for much less time so for us to go out and signed up uh, the best players within the squad who, 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 signed, who signed up so the goalkeeper uh, the two centre half pairing which is Sean Crichton who's won I think League One he's either won or been promoted from it with three different clubs mm-hmm. Callum Fordyce who came down from the championship last year uh, they've been a really strong pairing um, The we had a full back on loan from Hamilton Ackies who everybody thought was amazing they've released him which we are shocked at Adam Eckersley who's a 
a classy player can't get in the team uh, over him he's signed up for uh, till the end of next season Callum Gallagher who's been banging in goals and who's someone that obviously people would target has signed up as well uh, I'm now now toiling about I don't think Carrick signed up which is about the only one uh, out of the high performance but, but like you said signing up those players especially uh, you mentioned about the difficulties of part time yeah. and being a lower league uh, club and it's just natural that there's such a turnover of players you don't get that connection but again especially with Airdrie and the troubles they've been in in terms of stability getting these players uh, signed up and it gives it kind of puts platforms so if you don't go up this season you've still got a really strong yeah, stable platform the, there to build on next uh, in the summer yeah the spine of the team's there I mean and in this 10 year period where I've been talking about just before we went full time last time Ian King was in as director of football and I don't think did a great job we was told to sign up a number of players one of which was Sean Crichton Alan Lithgow mm-hmm. uh, Nicky Cadden and Liam Watt so this is like the spine of a team it's a centre midfielder your star winger your two centre halves Livingston came in and took them all and people keep telling me how Livingston have got no money so I don't think it would have been massive bids that they were they were putting in a few seasons before Ian McCall who I'm very impressed with at our level uh, he took Ross Doherty from Airdrie who was an excellent player he's signing him for uh, Thistle as well has he? Yeah. He's, a, he's a classy midfielder uh, and when I say classy he, you know, he's just a good footballer yeah. knows when he put the boot in as well uh, and Paddy Boyle he took to air as well Paddy Boyle was our club captain he'd just been player of the year uh, if we weren't professional enough at that time to think about kind of succession team building so it, it's great we might not go up this year but like you say you've got more hope for next season you can you can build on that rather than everybody goes and then you start again uh, and, and that must be must be so destroying as a coach uh, when that happens to you as well so this season what are your what are your hopes and what are your expectations so 21 games played you are two points off top so Ray for 39 Falkirk 38 Airdrie 37 and then East Fife and Montrose are just a little bit behind so Montrose are the form team I think they, they people talk about teams flying under the radar but nobody's talking about them mm-hmm. uh, in the shake up you were up at their hospitality yeah it yeah. was uh, they they they, they got a really impressive setup and the, the game itself against East Fife they won one now it was for one though game I think it was actually pretty good and I was relatively impressed by Montrose they probably should have won it by more they had a couple of good chances on the counter attack but the most impressive uh, aspect of it was Stuart Petrie he came in afterwards and he, he spoke to uh, I think it was all managers who spoke to, uh, spoke to the hospitality he I turned to a couple of the boys and said he's, there's there's something kind of Brendan Rogers uh, about him but in a good way not the, not the <laughs> not Rogers negative um, negative qualities but it, it just seemed like someone who was really switched on who you'd want to play for and also that clearly gets uh, improves players he's a coach he's, he's a manager but he's a coach as well and they made the playoffs last year so I'm not writing them off because if they continue that form they will be right in the mix we had our six game winning run one of those was a cup game so five back to back wins in the league which got us up there we've been a bit up and down since then the The main concern is that Falkirk have hit a bit better form since McKinnon left they're unbeaten uh, they are well, they're above us now you would think with their resources they should win the league you know that it now looks as if they're coming into position mm. that they have a strong third quarter 
uh, I think there may be no catch in them. Still have my doubts about uh, there could always be a catastrophe there because it does seem to be yeah. that kind of scenario but they're, they're the favourites for me Wraith Rovers interestingly I work with uh, Jamie Gullen's cousin and every week I'm turning to him and saying I'm going to tell him to stop scoring goals he's gone back to Hibs it'll be interesting to see whether he stays at Hibs or whether he gets loaned back to Wraith Rovers because uh, he's scored so many goals and had a few assists as well that uh, I think they'll struggle if he doesn't go back um, but any one of those four teams I think could win the league um, my tip would be Falkirk we've seen hopes and expectations I expect we we get to the playoffs if we don't it'll be a failure uh, yeah, there's a hope that uh, we have we just string five wins together again and then it's with the team that's at the top and I think it basically the top four positions was um, was the aim at the start of the season so yes when I spoke to uh Again, the football director of football come on, which was really good off him, given that we're a piddly podcast with a couple of hundred listeners. He said progress was the aim, and then I spoke to him at the halfway point, and he did concede, look, we're, we can't say we're not in a title race. Yeah. So, so, that, so yes, we've got to readjust, uh, and we want to be right in the mix. I mean, we've not said you've gone out and got Andy Ryan, uh, which of course. seems like a mental move from Falkirk. However, they then, Don Thomas, uh, arrived there a, a couple of days later, which made it all add up a bit more His, he had a season at Airdrie where he scored 27 goals if he can hit anything like that uh, and we can find a system to play him Garrigan and Carrick then you could have loads of goals uh, so that's that, that's given us a bit of excitement as well that again we're more professional but we're ambitious we're going out and signing a guy to try and make us take that next step uh, because Airdrie have the world's worst record in playoffs <laughs> so if there's any way of avoiding them that would be great Magic and finally, finally, what do you think of uh, the game on Saturday? I'm going to I'll put this out before the Hearts game. Do you think you think uh, you you get the result? So we played Celtic to get the same time last year, and it, it did just seem absolutely fanciful that a team on the bed, well, having won the last seven domestic trophies, was going to fall foul at Airdrie. Hearts ha- look a bit of a shambles from the outside. The I don't think you can underestimate the step up in level between when you're jumping two leagues uh, and it's away. Uh, so I, I, I'm not giving us no hope. The bookies I've got is at eight to one, and I'll definitely have a tenner on that. <laughs> uh, I might as well. <laughs> everything's got to go right. So uh, we've got a long throw specialist at the moment. Uh, we'd maybe need. We've not really got any tall players from to throw it to, but we need like that to cause a bit of havoc on the tight ten castle pitch. Mm-hmm. We need. Uh, we'd need to defend heroically um, I mean uh, we've said on Airdrie I haven't lost to Hearts since 1991 and 11 occasions so uh, maybe there is just some magic that you guys can't cope with us I forgot to mention this on uh, when we did the uh, OTL podcast that we played in a League Cup game during the week 2008 2008 and lost some penalties and uh, David De Boer um, hit one of the worst penalties I've ever seen a Hearts player hit, and Hearts have had some really bad penalties. I just remember that night; that was that was that was god awful. And like, so fan of a small team, the Hearts fans go want to go out midweek and watch Hearts play Airdrie. No, they don't. And it would be a freezing cold night because it was early league cup as well. Probably we we need. I think Airdrie to score first. Ten castle to turn toxic, given what the mood around the place is. Uh, 
the Hearts players not to be at it. The Hearts players actually to be mutinying with all the stuff that's happening with Beira. If all those stars aligned, then potentially we could do it. But uh, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to have to drop my swagger around Edinburgh these days <laughs> because we are finally going to lose to Hearts. I, uh, I really hope that's the case because... The what, last, what, what would do to Hearts if you lost this game? I mean, that would be, that, be. It would just be such a setback for for Stendhal, especially because, as I said on the OTL podcast, that he's he's gathered a lot of support because of the decision he's making and the criticism that come his way. Hearts fans are rallying behind him. The the, the, the Hearts fans, Hearts really need to win. It might not have to be the best performance, yeah. but you just really have to get win. To get the job done, get that confidence going into the Ross County game, which is which is which is absolutely crucial because losing at Airdrie and there's so going to be so much much more pressure on Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Now that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Um, and for me, so uh, living in Edinburgh now, and uh, so speak to a lot of Hearts and Hibs fans. You, the, as a, an old firm fan, right, we would love to see someone do a Leicester, whether it's Hibs Hearts. Aberdeen uh, and, and really compete with the old firm and, and break that job a bit. It seems fanciful. Surely for you guys, every year you're looking at us and you're thinking, right, it's a cup's got to be the, the realistic aim. Uh, so part of me thinks so maybe Stendhal will just play a couple of reserves to, to uh, focus on the Ross County match, which is falling immediately, making sure that these players are recovered and fresh, albeit you've had three weeks off. <laughs> uh, but I'd be angry as a fan if, if Hearts didn't focus on the cup because you beat, say you beat Airdrie uh, one of the ties in this round is BSC Glasgow versus East Kilbride mm-hmm. okay well let's be massively disrespectful that's a bye right if yeah. Hearts get that uh, and all of a sudden you're you're within touching distance of the final so this is this is something that went um just quickly on Hearts because people were rolling their eyes. They were talking, having to talk about well, Hearts. It's a podcast. Yeah. So you want to talk about Hearts? <laughs> yeah. The um, one of the bugbear fans was kind of Nielsen and few uh, since the twenty twelve uh, Cup final was the lack of progress in the Scottish Cup. So, like Scottish Cup Hearts fans, I think every, every team will claim they've got an affinity with the, Scot- uh, the Scottish Cup. Hearts fans really really have a strong affinity that this is a cup they want to win do well in and I don't think it's not in the nature that they take play a second string team to, yeah. to someone they just have just to get in the next round there's a question for you when you're on to administrations and stuff uh, I don't know what my answer would be uh, given the chance to go in a time machine and stop Romanov taking over and some sort of sensible head who, who runs you but you, you miss out on the 5-1 final and, and the other Scottish Cup that, that you win I mean you take administration every time you take administration uh, every time absolutely uh, absolutely it's, it was it was wild uh, fun and uh, and that's a, that's the problem I think as a football fan if I was a Gretna fan do I want to be a village team playing in whatever Diddy League they were in the, the north of England or do I want this mental run where we're out bidding Aberdeen for Stevie Tosh <laughs> we're getting to Scottish Cup final and only losing an apparently shootout of course I would want that like, so, so what we that's the thing the thing as a football fan is that you're not there you're not really there to have a business perspective you want you want entertainment you want to have fun you want to be thrilled and if you're, I mean, with fast die young, that's exactly. Say, yeah. When it comes to football, it's, it's balancing your books, people people don't go to games with banners saying, "Oh, what a great spreadsheet." Yeah. 
Thanks very much for, for speaking to me, uh, Colin. You can find the OTL podcast on... Wherever you find your podcast. Wherever you find the podcast. You can find them on Twitter at OTL Podcast. Yeah. But thanks very much. That was, that was such a fascinating look at Airdrie, and I'm sure everyone listened will uh, uh, will agree because, again, like I said at the start, we don't get uh, we don't speak about Airdrie too much, just like we don't speak about... Um, oh, most full you, Jay. I know, I know, <laughs> most full us. But thanks very much, and it was a pleasure. No, pro- no problem. Thanks for having me on.